Welcome back. You are listening to That One Sports Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Mitch Wilson. He is Chris Hell. Please don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. My guy, Christopher. You back, my brother. What do we got for the show today, man? We're going to talk about some college football, baby. You know, it's been kicking off two weeks in. A lot of upsets have already occurred. Looks like it's starting to shape of who's going to take the national championship starting to form on who we think the top teams are and we're going to jump right into football it's all football today not just college but we're going to talk about the nfl we're going to recap that hellacious week one for chiefs fans and then we're also going to look at our week two matchups mitch texas bama colorado they kind of are taking the uh, weekend by storm what do you got for texas and bama for us boy let me tell you Texas Longhorns proudly Longhorns up, baby, right now. They went into Tuscaloosa and just absolutely gave it to Alabama. Now, I knew Texas was going to be good. I did not realize their defense was going to be that good. Their defense is, in my opinion, SEC elite level type defense. Okay? They were fast to the ball, just D-line was absolutely crazy. They were getting tons of pressure on the quarterback. And I will say, I think for the first time in a while that I can remember, Texas, for the first time, made Alabama look human. And that is very, very hard to do because of the level of recruits they have. They have five stars at every position. They're putting multiple people in the NFL every single year. And I think that was probably the biggest reason as to why Alabama lost. They lose Bryce Young. You have a top pick in the NFL draft that that leaves your program, even though you still have another five-star quarterback in your program. But to not have that guy at the helm made all the difference in the world for Alabama. And you have got to give it to that Texas defense. They played great. Quinn Ewers, Texas quarterback, played well. He's been getting a lot of slack. He stepped up in the moment and had a great game. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to switch gears for a second. I'm going to go to Colorado because this is the biggest story in college football. Coach Prime at Colorado gets the upset over TCU in week one and then rolls Nebraska in week two. I absolutely love it. A lot of people were saying that this was going to be a process. It was going to take him time to get where Coach Prime wanted the program to be. But Coach Prime is talking the talk and also walking that walk. He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Now, I will say it's only two games in, but his son Shador at quarterback looks elite he looks like he's going to be can if he continues to play at what the level he's playing now he's going to be in the Heisman conversation Travis Hunter's probably going to be another guy that's going to be in the Heisman conversation because he's the only guy that's playing both ways and if he continues to continue to make great catches have 100 yard games and getting picks on defense there's no other person in college football that is doing that I am super excited for Coach Prime. I'm super excited for Colorado. And I will say, I cannot wait because I, I believe it's either yeah, – I believe they play Colorado State this week, but I think the week after that they have to go play USC and Caleb Williams. I am super excited 
for that matchup. College football is great right now, especially with Colorado and Coach Prime, and it's good to see other programs besides Alabama making a splash and making those headlines. So I've got a lot to undress here. The first is, isn't it nice to see someone leave the Big 12 and go in the SEC and actually be good? Unlike Missouri. Oh, yeah. Well, bro, why, dude? So Texas is doing your dream way faster than you Ugh. ever do it. Texas went yeah. in there and they're starting to dominate right away. And you knew that was going to happen because Texas is not, I would never say as a blue blood, but they are a well-known, historic college football team. And the reason why that makes sense and why I want to bring that up is why I took you on your bet for Missouri. Just because you go to the SEC doesn't mean you're going to start or getting the skill position recruits and you're going to start beating teams. Texas going to the SEC was huge, bro. A historical college team that joined a greater conference your recruiting just got that much easier. The reason why those recruits didn't want to go to Texas 10 years ago is because they didn't play Alabama and they didn't play Georgia and they didn't play LSU. So these great recruits were like, yeah, I mean, it's good to be in the Big 12, but I'm not going to get the notoriety that I would in the SEC. Now you got them hook'em horns down in the SEC and they're going to be good for years to come because they're just going to keep getting players, and most of the great players, they don't even have to go far to recruit. Texas is like the football state in the whole country. Yep. I, not I, shocked, I, my man. Not yeah. shocked. Bam, Bama's a yeah. little bit on, on a downturn. Georgia's going to be their real test. I am excited to see when Texas plays the other SEC schools like Georgia, LSU. I think Bama's actually a little bit down this year. Uh, same way with Colorado. This is not going to be a popular opinion because I love Deion Sanders, but I'm not on the hype train yet. I do think he is very, very good, and I think he's doing great things, but they're not going to even sniff the college football playoff. Oh, okay. Colorado okay. won't be close. Colorado dismantled a TCU team that never should have been in the top 25. To be as high as 14 or whatever they were ranked was just blasphemous. They lost all their players from last year that made the national championship, and they got rolled in the national championship, and they lost everybody. So to think that they were just going to come back, their recruiting class wasn't even that good. So they came back in, and Dion has brought in some stud players, right? So you knew they were going to get good, at least be decent right away. And then Nebraska, anyone that's listening to this has to realize this is coming from a place of love because Nebraska is my favorite college team. They're not good. <laughs> they're not good. Like, they're not good. Colorado was toying around with Nebraska, and all Nebraska's quarterback could do was keep putting on the ground. I don't know if you watched the game, but I did. Colorado is going to get smoked by anyone in the top ten. I, I, I promise you. Shadur Sanders is awesome. He's throwing to wide-open people. It's not like he's splitting zones and – he's let's see what he does against, in my opinion, it's starting to get so bad now. I don't even know why we have other conferences. I want to see what he does against an SEC school. 
I mean, it, it's really that bad now where it's like, if you're not in the Big Ten or you're not in the SEC, why even have a college team? Okay, let me ask you this real quick. Well, when they play USC in a couple of weeks. USC's a pretender too. I mean, I think USC's going to be highly ranked because of where they play, but I think if USC came in the SEC, they'd get smacked. And and I'm not even an okay. SEC lover. Like I, Nebraska's my favorite team. Georgia, all those teams are just another level of team. Right. Like they're just another level. And I'm not saying everyone in the SEC, like Florida's down this year and stuff like that. But what Coach Prime is doing is exactly what you should do the first year. And that's make a positive change. And he's done that. You know, they're probably going to win seven or eight games this year. But I can see them losing to USC. I, I think they could u- lose to Utah in the last game of the year. They also, I believe they they play USC, Oregon back-to-back, or they play USC, then have uh, a, a week where they play someone else, and then they come back and play Oregon. So that game will be interesting as well. Exactly. So the, I'm going to pump the brakes on two weeks. It's as good as it could have gone, and I'll give him credit for that, and I'll give the team credit for that. They're very exciting to watch. I turned the game on on Saturday because I love Dion. Dion's uh, awesome. But some of these talking heads that are like, oh, my gosh, it's this, it's that. It's like pump the brakes, man. They played Nebraska and they played TCU. It's like let, let's see what they do. USC is going to be a good litmus test. I, I do agree with you because if Colorado can go in and even hang with USC, I mean, let's say that, that it's a 35-31 game. I think you're going to gain a lot of respect. But I think Coach Prime knows, too, I'm going to ride this wave of notoriety while I can because the moment they lose and they lose bad, everyone's off the bandwagon. I promise you, if USC comes and stomps a mud hole in them 40-3, to three, no one's going to be talking about Colorado. Colorado right, yeah. Whoop. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. I think it's one of those type of things – Either, either you love them or you hate them, and everyone's loving them right now. And like you said, if someone comes through and beats the brakes off them, they're going to be like, oh, we knew it. Like, we knew it was only going to last for so long before this happened. And I think that if Colorado wins seven, eight games, and, and you only have to win six to be bowl eligible, that would be a huge improvement from, from where they've been the last in the fifth. Huge improvement. Huge and, improvement. And I think next year is the year people will talk about them. Like, let's say that they win eight or nine games this year, and they go nine and three, let's just say, because they play 12 games, right? 11 or 12, I think yeah. it depends on your yeah, so, 12 games. So let's, like let, let's say they go nine and three, and only people they lost to was ranked teams. Shadur comes back. Travis Hunter comes back. They have a great recruiting class. You could see them being in the talks for the CFP. You know, you could see them being like, yeah, maybe they're a four seed that comes in like a Washington did or a TCU or someone like that that comes in with a four seed and can make some waves. But kudos to them. Great, great things. I think Dion saw really quick that he needed to take that bigger job because his son would have never got the notoriety that he's getting now in an HBCU. And that's just a harsh reality, right? HBCUs don't have the funding. They don't have the 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 viewership and the eyes that these other college teams do. And he's not dumb. He he not only did this for his son, he knew for him too. I gotta go win at a big level. And watch, if he's good for three years, 
and his last son graduates, I won't be shocked if there's a big time college coming after him, like a Florida or LSU. Like LSU. Like that. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think he knows that this is all just a stepping stone and to be truthful. How cool would it be to see him come to the pros? Yeah, um, that would be really cool. I, I don't think he'll do it. Um, he, he, he's made comments that he would have a hard time coaching pros, especially when men are getting paid to do a job. He expects to be done a certain way. So he, he said he, he, he don't think he'd work at the NFL level. But I will say the one thing that really intrigued me with, with what he has said, Prime has said that basically the biggest difference in college football when it comes to like HB, HBCUs and Division One, it's not a, it's not as much of the quarterback and the skill level positions. It's the offensive line and defensive line. He says that's where the biggest difference is when you're talking about a Division One program and your you know HBCUs. That's the, that's the biggest. Now I will say obviously the skill level the players are probably a little bit better, a, a little bit better, but the talent and the the, the competence of the skill position. Yeah, I mean, I aren't. I'm going to say that I think it's a lot better uh, in 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 the other colleges. And here's what I mean: it's not talent wise; it's coaching. Right. I think these HBCUs, yes, they get fantastic skill position players, but they're still losing out to Alabama. That there's no way. Oh yeah, for sure. You may get a one person like a Travis Hunter that is like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and and play. An HBCU would have never pulled a Marvin Harrison Jr. You know what I mean? Like it. The, oh, for sure. Yeah. You're just never going to get that. And you know why? Because of funding. If I was right. some five star recruit and I walked into an HBCU and saw their amenities and I went in and walked into like a Florida or have you seen some of their locker rooms? Stupid. It's a no brainer. Absolutely you, stupid. No, I'm, yeah. I'm going to the Ohio State. Like, I don't care how cool it is to play for an HBCU. I'm going. I'm absolutely going. And that's where HBCUs have a long way to go. I'm not going to disagree with the Hall of Famer about his his ability to see talent. He's way more intelligent than I ever would be. And and I agree with him. The O-line and D-line is different. But from what I can see from my own eyes, even when I watched HBCUs, I think the quarterback play is way worse than an HBCU. Um, I think that the running backs and receivers – the crispness and the concepts and all that that takes place. I just think the coaching isn't as good. And so you don't see those, those concepts of routes and setting up other plays. Really what you see at an HBCU is a ton of athleticism. And it's one of those that you're just like, man, geez, those athletes are great, but they're, they just don't have that type of coaching. And that's just my opinion that there's no knock on that. I just, Oh Yeah. He he needed well, to go to Colorado, and I, I'm I'm glad he right. did. I hope he continues to to move up the ranks there. Yeah, for sure. And and, and one last thing on this: Warren Sapp was there a couple of weeks ago, and just you know being at practice with the team and stuff like that. And a comment that he said that kind of really intrigued me is he said that he said Coach Prime and his coaching staff. He said the level of his coaching staff. He said, he says is insane. And he said that even when he was in college, the, the level of talent of Coach Prime's coaching staff is off the charts. And that's why they're going to be as good as they're going to be is because of what you alluded to is that coaching staff. 
who have the athletes, but but are going to put them in in the position and write concepts to do what they need to do. So, absolutely. All right, man. Oh man, recapping week one. Oh my goodness, it was a rough one. If you were a Chiefs fan, so my guy Christopher, what are your thoughts? on recapping week one of the NFL and particularly starting with the Kansas City Chiefs-Lions game. So there's an old saying that week one doesn't mean anything and week two means everything. And as I get older and I watch football, I never knew growing up like being 0-2 was such a death sentence. Because when you're younger and watching it, you're like, oh, whatever. And then you get older and you start to see statistics. It is almost a death sentence to be 0-2. I mean, it, you have like a less than 10% chance of making the playoffs when you start 0-2. And that's when I heard the quote that, you know, week one means nothing and week two means everything. Whether you're 1-0 and or 0-1, week two is, is where it matters, right? By, and by week five, you want to start hitting your stride, but week two means a lot. So I'm not sure if the Lions-Chiefs, the game we're talking about first, if it means anything or not. You know, as a fan, I'm upset. But I look at the game and I'm thinking, there's no way Kadarius Tony drops three passes again in a game in his natural born life. Detroit came to play. I'm not even going to one even little bit take away from their win. I don't like that people are like, oh, it's an asterisk. We didn't have Chris Jones. We Who cares? They came into Arrowhead and they won. Even without Chris Jones and, and Travis Kelsey, we're the defending Super Bowl champions. We've got the best player in the planet. We should have won. I, I'm I'm not going to use that excuse like in football and then be hypocritical and say the thing about LeBron in basketball and go, if you're the best player, you should find a way to get it done. Same thing. Mahomes, don't care. We got the best football player in the world, and we're defending champions at home. No excuse to lose. Don't care about Kadarius Tony. It matters, yes, but you got to find a way to win. And Detroit came in and took it from us. So I don't know. Is this indicative that Detroit's just going to be that good and win the NFC North? Is it indicative that we're just not going to be very good and we might struggle to nine wins? Or does it mean anything at all? And honestly, I don't know. Didn't feel good the next morning waking up, and and I didn't even play. I was like, man, this kind of sucks. The way that we played, and I just had this vision in my mind that we were going to be 1-0. But I saw some really alarming things in that game. And I hope it's just opening day, opening week jitters. But I also saw some really good things. And one of them that I saw was that I think our defense is going to be well above mediocre this year. I think we have a potential to be a top 10. And I say that because the Lions, the Lions were a top seven offense last year. And they even got better. They added more players and they weren't missing anybody. And we came out there and we honestly held them. Remember, they got a pick six touchdown. They only scored 14 points on us. And in the NFL, if you tell me with a Patrick Mahomes that your defense is only going to give up 14 points a game, and let's say we stay on that average. I like that recipe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. I saw some bad things too, man. Like, I think our offensive line, it's going to struggle, man. And I don't think it's just Aiden Hutchinson. I, I think we're going to have a weak line. 
now that Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is not a secret, you know, where I think he was a surprise with all the weapons that we had, now that he's the premier back, I really wonder if he's going to be just an okay guy or is he going to really produce? So I have a big question about him. And, of course, I have a question about our receiving core. Like, Kelsey being out, we should have never looked like that. I mean, we are, again, the defending Super Bowl champs. I get we have a bunch of young guys. Dude, we looked pedestrian, just pedestrian. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw it, couldn't do anything, anything. And I've got some serious concerns, but I think we're going to turn it around, and I think the Lions are just that good, man. That's honestly my opinion from the week one recap. I tell you what, I never thought we were going to blow the Lions out. I always thought that this was going to be a close game because the Lions won eight eight of their last ten last year. They won eighty percent of their games of the last ten, so they ended the season last year pretty hot. Knowing what they had on a very high note, knowing what they had, so I knew this game was going to be close. Once I heard Travis Kelsey was out, I was like. Man, that really sucks. But like you said, when you have one five on your team at home, there's absolutely zero excuses. Absolutely. We have the same takeaway. My biggest takeaway from the Thursday night game was that the defense has a chance to be really good. Like you said, they only gave up 14 points. The The Lions offense is top 10 offense. Amon St. Brown, hey, he is that dude. Okay? I really like... Jameer Gibbs, out of the backfield rookie, Alabama, he's a stud. Jared Goff is going to get it done. I mean, like, their offense is no joke. So, I mean, they had a top-10 offense, and they added more weapons. And for a defense that did not have Chris Jones, a defense that didn't have Charles Aminahew, for them to only give up 14 points, I thought that was absolutely spectacular. And and alluding to what you said – if before the game started, if you had told me that the defense would give up 14 points, I would have said we're going to win that game by 10 or more. But again, the concerning thing was the receiving core. It looked like Rasheed Rice was one of the best receivers on our team, and he's a rookie. You had MVS who had a absolutely hell of a catch, and in, in in the in the second quarter, how he caught that ball, he was basically catching the ball and getting hit at the same time. In, and, but MVS is that player, to me, that you have four or five play calls a game to, right? He's not your number one. He's not ever going to be a number one. He never showed the you know, propensity to be a number one. So for us to think like, oh, well, we still have MVS. If MVS is your most veteran receiver, you're going to have a problem. Right? Like you're gonna, we're a very young core. You got Sky Moore. And what has Tony done in the NFL for anyone to think he could just make that leap to number one? And I feel kind of dumb thinking about it. Over the summer, I thought, oh man, he's gonna be this and that. And now that I look at it, I'm like, you know what? He kind of duped us. I mean, what has he done in his career for us to say that he's just gonna be this, this stud? Even with the Chiefs, he had a couple good catches. He had a wide-open Super Bowl touchdown, and then he had that punt return, which to me smells more of gadget player than right. a number one. Right. Well, and and I think the most concerning thing to me about, about KT and his performance was the pick six. 
That ball literally went right through his hands. Right through it. Right through his hands. And then another drop he had, he was running a crossing route, and he didn't even look engaged. Like, he didn't even have his, like, he got his hands up real late because he didn't even expect the ball. Dude, you're running a route. How do you not expect the ball? And then the one, because of what happened earlier in the game, when the Chiefs got the ball back with with a little over or under two minutes left, and they're driving down the field, KT's running wide open. Patrick Mahomes puts it right on him, and I didn't see it in live, but then when they showed the replay, when that ball was coming in, you could tell he had absolutely zero confidence. And for for a player that wants to be a number one and a player who essentially helped give up a pick six, had multiple drops, then bes- despite all that, you have a chance at the end of the game to catch a ball to put some field goal range. And to, and, to, and to be completely honest, if he catches the ball, he probably runs for another 10 to 15 yards. Yeah. And, and well within field goal range. Yeah, and, and, just- and I, I, I don't think KT, man – there, there's a theory going around that I've heard that I don't know what if it has any validity to it or or, or any of that. I, I don't know, but this is the theory that when Kelsey went down on Tuesday, that Kadarius Tony was never going to play, and because he went down, they gave him some drugs to get him to play because you know his knee is still banged up. Right. And there's a theory that Kadarius Tony was essentially high as a kite out there running, and. I'm not someone that subscribes to insanity like that. Right. But, I mean, he already looks crazy anyways. So, I mean, the way he looks, his eyes are all big. I mean, you would think he was high every day of his life, the way he looks. Just the way his eyes are all out and the smile and and that meme that's about him. Patrick Mahomes, you know, like that. that Yeah. 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 So, I don't know, and I don't want to sound like that because I do think sometimes we have Chiefs fans are just – we can be so passionate about our team that we sound delusional and we don't sound realistic. Like the whole conversation of Patrick Mahomes is already the goat to me. Just it makes my skin crawl because I'm one of those people that let the man finish his career. Let all of this, this whole instant gratification world that we live in. You can't be in the conversation until you're done, right? Like let your cement be dry before we say anything, he could tear his ACL next year and be completely different. You don't know what he's going to do in his life. You know what I mean? Like to say he's on the path. Yes. But to say that he already is no. And sometimes the Chiefs fans, I hear the things they're saying about us losing. And I'm like, guys, everyone just take a deep breath, man. Like it's week one. Let's see what we can do. And even if we go five and 11, do you remember the early 2000s, guys? <laughs> what we've right. been able to have over these last five years, let's not be pouty about it, man. Like, good gosh, three Super Bowl appearances, two wins. We drafted Patrick Mahomes, who's given us nothing but great moments. We've hosted the AFC Championship for five years straight. Five years. And then look what happened to the Bengals. It's like week one, I don't know if that quote is true. Week one may not mean anything. The Bengals got mollywopped by Massage Watson. <laughs> you you understand that? 
<laughs> we got Molly Wap today. Anyone watch that game? And and I know this is one of the games we're going to talk about with the re, with the week one recap. But that game was shocking. The Bengals looked all out of sorts, all out of sorts. And it's not like the Browns have this number one pass defense. They made T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and that passing attack of the Bengals look pedestrian. So yeah. you wonder, is it just week one jitters? And there's that theory that Sean McVay used to talk about. Because the NFL has gotten so strict on what you can do in the offseason and the amount of time you get with players and stuff, he thinks that everyone's going to be slow out of the gate. He, he said this like five years ago. He doesn't think that you really start seeing a team until about after week four. That's when you start seeing. I mean, look at Jared Goff. He didn't throw one pass in the preseason. And he looked pretty pretty rusty the first half. Yeah. And then he woke up a little bit, and I'm wondering if that's going to happen with some of these teams. Because if you were to tell me that the Bengals were going to start out 0-1 against the Browns and we were going to start out 0-1 against Detroit, which both of us, our teams have been picked to go far in the AFC – I don't think I'd have believed it. Who, whoever does the weekly picks, you know, at work you play that weekly pick them. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you everybody's stuff was jacked up. Oh, for sure. Because who would have ever thought Tampa Bay would have beat the Vikings in Minnesota? Tampa Bay beat the Vikings today in Minnesota with Baker Mayfield. See, it's – dude, this week one was just weird, bro. We're, like, we're in a simulation. That's what it is. Dude, I, I, I hope so. But, yeah, but, I mean, like you said, and I would say probably the scariest part about the, the, the Browns-Bengals game is that they were all over Joe Burrow. Like, I know they got Jamar. And, all and, over and, that dude. And, and they just gave – dude, they just – Joe Burrow just signed three days ago – a five-year, $275 million contract extension. What they need to do is they need to give him some help on the offensive line because if he keeps going like he's going, he ain't going to make it to the fifth year of that contract, let me tell no. you. Because the Cleveland defensive line, was they, that defense was all over Joe, which, was get, which he had no time. And then when he did have time, guys weren't making plays. And trust me, I know. And I was very frustrated. Because one, I picked Cincinnati, and two, Jamar's on my fantasy team, so I was not well, happy. Don't, don't even get me going. Right, I know. I, I started Joe Burrow today, and that man got me three point one points. Three point one from your quarterback position. There's yeah. kickers that get more than that on an average. Oh, oh yeah, man, are you kidding me? Three point one, yeah. and I lost to a ten year old because of it. <laughs> Don't even get me going, man. You know, this this third game that we wanted to talk about, Dolphins-Chargers. Oh, boy. That's another one that I wonder, like, are their defenses really going to be able to stop anybody? Like, are they just going to try to outshoot everybody all the time? Because that that game was, like, literally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, there was no defense at all. Dude, that should have been the game going on right now, the Sunday night game. Dude, instead of the Giants. How about them Cowboys, though? Like, they came out right now. They're walking that walk. That defense might end up being the number one defense in the NFL. 
And they've been talking about it all offseason. We're going to be the number one defense. Bro, they got a punt return for a TD. Then they got a pick six for a TD. Oh, no, they didn't. I did not yes, they did. That. They might be that dominant this year. Man, let me tell you something. But that Dolphins-Chargers game, man, I, I really oh. don't have a ton to say about it. It was just really exciting to see. They're just – they've got speed and weapons everywhere. Both, both teams do. Both teams do. They're, they're, they're going to be a high-powered – That yeah, just everywhere. I mean, Miami, if Tua stays healthy – That's what I was just about to say, bro. Miami if he stays Miami healthy – Oh, AFC East. Dude, if, uh, I was just about – if Tua can stay healthy, because dude showed up. And if he can stay healthy – because let's not forget, Tua was an absolute stud at Alabama. And he's got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and uh, what is the uh, number zero? What's his name? I forget. But that dude was making plays today too. It wasn't just Tyreek and Waddle. You had Mo, uh, Raheem Mostert making plays. You had number zero. Don't even know his name. That like everybody on that squad <laughs> was making plays, and Tua was just divvying it up. But dude, I tell you what though, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm going to get a little sentimental for a second. When I, I didn't get a chance to watch that game, but I watched the highlights, and I was watching Tyreek Hill just absolutely just terrorize the, Charger, the Chargers' defense. Man, I was just like, damn, I miss those days, man. <laughs> Are you talking about I, – I just looked it up. Is number zero a white guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Braxton Berrios. He came from the Jets. Braxton Berrios, shout shout out to Braxton Berrios. That boy did work yeah, today. Just Ty- like Ty- everybody else. One of those though that I'm like, what we got in return for him? Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. like you you went out. It, it was good for both parties. We went out, won the Super Bowl last year because of the money he freed up. Uh, you know. Oh. I, and speaking about money, I I really can't stand Chris Jones right now, and it has nothing to do that he doesn't earn it. I'm so tired of people that we know around here being like, pay the man. No one's saying he's not worth money. But right. there, there's a way to handle things. You're, and see, and that's my thing. Where I'm pissed off the way you're handling this. You have a quarterback who is the greatest player in the NFL right now. The greatest. And you got Burrow out there and all these people making way more than him. And you got Patrick Mahomes that's like, no, I've got my contract. This is what it is. And he's freed up money to keep players like you in there. Money just doesn't get printed off and just sent to you. There, There's a cap on everything. We can't just go pay you a bunch of money. Travis Kelsey's underpaid. Patrick Mahomes is underpaid. Heck, Bolton's probably going to be underpaid by the time we have to get to him. And you don't think Trent McDuffie's going to come around? That dude's a baller and a half, and he's going to be a lot of money. You ain't a lying. lot of money. And Chris Jones is up there splitting hairs over $10 million. And then what's worse about it is he's up there standing with his mafioso looking. His agent. His his agent agent with their hair slicked back. It just was a bad look. It's a bad look. And and I dude that pissed me off, dude. Chris Jones could have watched that game from anywhere he wanted to, but he chose to go to the game. That was BS. That pissed me off. That's, that's when I'm like, dude, just like you said, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are Hall of Fame 
play. Travis Kelsey is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes, if he can, as he continues to play, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He'll be a, and if, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if those guys are not the highest paid at their position, what in the blue hell makes you think that you're going to be the highest paid at your position? And and the part that makes me even more upset is when he got his previous contract, the the four years for eighty million. He talks about winning multiple championships. Well, if your mindset is winning multiple championships, then you knew that you would you would not be able to be the highest paid D tackle in the league. And side note, I'm still pissed off at the Rams for forgiving um, Aaron Donald that type of money because that was stupid and it jacked up the market. They all jack up the market. Christian Kirk jacked up the market. That's why we couldn't keep Tyreek Hill. It's like anytime someone willing to overpay for something, it lets other people think that that value is now increased when it really hasn't increased. And just like everything else that we're looking at in the in society, people have lost their damn mind, and reality is not a thing. People don't have reality anymore. They don't know how to take a deep breath and go, "This isn't re- this isn't real. This isn't sustainable." Everyone wants something for now. There is no planning for the future. It's now, 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 now. And as a Chiefs fan, you've heard me say this before while I was okay with Tyreek Hill going. I'll be a Chiefs fan long after Patrick Mahomes leaves, and I was a fan long before he came here. I'm always going to be a fan of the organization over the player. And the reason why is because I live in this city. That's my team. So players are going to come and go, but the team is, is the logo. That's what I represent. I don't go wearing PM15 stuff. I wear Chiefs gear. And whoever's right. there, I'm going to be a fan. So right. I look at it as you need to be smart as an organization. And I'm going to say this right now. Freaking kudos to the Chiefs brass of not catering to this idiot. Agreed. We've got our mark. We're not going to let one game flip you out. We still got Patrick Mahomes. We're not going to overpay for you. And – Guess what? Even if you go somewhere else and dominate, good job. Just like Tyreek Hill. Great. We got the ring last year. What's Tyreek Hill got? A whole bunch of stats? Okay. Cool. (laughs) Tyreek Hill was sitting in February watching us hoist a Lombardi when he was over there hoisting a chicken wings from B-Dub. So... (laughs) Right. Yeah, you ain't lying. And and just to clarify, I would go back and make that Tyreek trip Tyree kill trade 10 out of 10 times. I would do it every day. Oh, I would trade Chris Jones right now. If yeah, so I, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was a really good trade. I mean, a really you good know, trade. I know. I, I was telling Lori, I was like, you want to know what, what I would do. If, if he's going to continue to be like this, he comes back after week eight. I would franchise, I would franchise tag him. And then I would trade him. That's exactly what I would do. Say, so see you later. You're see- not bigger than your, This whole me, me, me movement that we, again, live in this society, people don't realize you're not bigger than your company. You got to take a deep breath and realize you are important, but you're not bigger than the actual organization or moment. And I see employees all week long who are like that. They think they are the company. They think that everything needs to revolve around them, and they don't realize that you work for a greater good. And that's what I think players are losing their mind. And I think that's why the NBA has gotten a little bit watered down. And it's yeah. not what it used to be. Is because yeah. now now you yell at a player and he's so damn sensitive like Sharman, he wants to leave the team. I don't want to be right. there. I want to go play with so-and-so. Boo-hoo, you don't own a team. 
And when you become an owner, then you can do that. But you right. don't. Chris Jones, you do not own the Chiefs. You are not the Chiefs. The Chiefs are an organization. You are a player. You work for them. They don't work for you, bro. And even worse, you're under contract. That's what I'm saying, dude. Gotta... You're under a contract and you're refusing to come to work. This is the other part that I hate being just a common man. Don't try to associate your life and job with me because I am a common man. You know what would happen if I walked into my job tomorrow and said, I don't think I'm paid enough. And until I do, I'm not going to show up for work. I wouldn't even make it out of the office door without them saying, you're terminated. You have a <laughs> bunch of time to go sit at your house because you're not right. working here. Right. No matter how good you are. I don't get why players don't do that. You are under contract. If you don't like your contract, I would not even care if after every game he walked up to the podium and said, I'm unhappy here. I'm going to play because I'm a man of my word and I'm under contract, but I'm unhappy here. I would actually appreciate that more than you being under contract and you trying to get out of it. And not showing up. And not showing up. I have a problem with that. Agreed. So. Yeah, and then, yeah, and and I agree. He was he was on he was on the local news talking about I just want to raise. Well, you want to know it? Yeah, you want to raise, but you still have a contract, so you should still be fulfilling your contract, and that means you being at practice and you being on the damn field for a damn game. You ain't lying, my man. Well, speaking of the Chiefs, let's get right into Week Two. Preview it a little bit. We've got three games highlighted that you and I think are. Worthy, noteworthy games. You got the Vikings, Eagles, Dolphins, Patriots, Chiefs, Jags. Let's go ahead and talk about all three of those kind of at once. Of those three big marquee games, which one are you most intrigued by? Oh, I might be a little biased, but I'm going to have to say Chiefs, Jags. Because the reason why I say that is, is you have a Jags team who is very good. They won today. They they are one of the teams in the AFC who has, in my opinion, a a top tier quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They're they're a team that you played in the playoffs that you know is coming up. That's that's essentially coming for your spot. And now you have a chance to play them in week two. And and like you said earlier, this is almost – I know it's only week two, but for the Chiefs, this is almost like a must-win game. I because, agree. Because to start 0-2 is like a death sentence. Like you said, I think the, like you said, the, the statistic is like if you start 0-2, it's a less than 10% chance that you make the playoffs. Okay? So you have Patrick Mahomes, hopefully Travis Kelsey's back. I will say – that game is going to be a whole lot harder for the Chiefs to win if Travis Kelsey is unavailable. I still think they can. But going back to something we talked about a few minutes ago, their game against the Chargers week one, I don't know if their defense are really that bad or the offenses were just that good. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Chiefs offense does, especially with how the receivers played this last game. If they can you know, get separation, get open in spaces, and make those plays. The Chiefs defense, again, I don't know how to feel about it because they played really well against Detroit, who was a top a top tier offense who added weapons. 
So if the defense can continue to play like that, I'm not saying that, that they need to hold the, 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 the Jags to 14 points, but if they can continue to be consistent, I really like where this headed because if the Chiefs can be top top 14, top 13 in points per game, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, that offense, they're going to score over over 21. I think Patrick Mahomes' career average, I think, is like 25, 28, something like that. So Patrick Mahomes is going to score some points. I think this game is a must-win for the Chiefs. I think – and side note, I think something I, – I don't know if you noticed this. At the very end of the game – Against the Lions, the last actual run play, it looked like Nick Bolton got hurt, and he kind of limped off the field. So hopefully that was just something minor, because if something's wrong with him, that is a complete huge deal, because he is that guy in the middle. But anyways, this is, in my opinion, week two for the Chiefs-Jags. It's a must-win game for the Chiefs. If the Jags somehow figure out a way to win and go 2-0, then... You have them sitting at the top of the AFC and after week two feeling really good about themselves, but probably what's even more scarier, that they, they've beaten you all already now. So now if they see you come playoff times, they will have there's no big bad boogeyman chiefs. There's not that card because they've already done it. Yeah, and I'll 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 be honest with you. I think the Chiefs would have a shot looking at their schedule if they went 0-2. Just from the middle part, I think it would be a long shot, but it's scary. I mean, and I'm going to read you this schedule. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If we go out and lose 0-2 to the Jags, I think we win against the Bears. We're at home. Um, No question. I I think we beat the Bears. The Jets, I don't know what they look like. I I don't know at all. I don't know what they look like. But let's say, worst case scenario, we go down to 1-3, which would be crazy to even think of. But let's just say we're 1-3. You then have to go to Minnesota. You get the Broncos, the Chargers, the Broncos. Then you have the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Raiders, Packers, who if anyone watched that game today, they're not near as bad as I think people thought they were going to be. Then we have the Bills, the Patriots, who hung right in with the Eagles today. Raiders, Bengals, who knows, and Chargers. I think these first four games are going to be more – impactful than what we ever thought they were going to be. And I honestly think there's a big, 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 big advantage of going two and two. I think two and two and one and three is just a, it's a world of a difference. Agreed. It's a world of, of, of difference. You know, I'm not impressed with really anyone in our division so far. Chargers played well and they played a really good Miami team and that you can tell that they're going to be able to score and maybe they split with us this year. But I looked at the Broncos at home, and they won- They lost 17-16. The Raiders didn't look great. You know, I think we can beat both those teams. The AFC West might be one of those divisions, man, honestly, that everyone thought was going to be good. And there might be a 10-7 and winner, an 11-6 winner. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah, yeah. It may not be one of those where there is a thirteen or whatever. I mean, all the teams might have a down year, and we may win the division, but we might win it at eleven and six. You know, that would, that would be very interesting. 
That'd be very interesting. And I think the AFC East is the one that's going to shock a lot of people. I think, you know, you saw Miami today, which was very impressive. You got the Jets. We don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know what the Bills are going to look like. We get the opportunity to see them both tomorrow. But you looked at New England, and I'll be honest with you, I thought New England, when they got down 16 nothing to Philly, I was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. But yeah. They they didn't. And, you know, you look at these other games we have highlighted, and what we didn't have them highlighted. We, we chose the Chiefs and Jags as the most premier game for us. But you look at Dolphins-Patriots. Patriots 0-1, Dolphins are 1-0. I mean, they have to play New England, and New England may have some things for them and come in and, and do well. If New England goes down 0-2, it might be bad because they don't have the offense or the quarterback, I think, to really get them out of that hole. Yeah. The Eagles-Vikings are an interesting one, too, because if the Vikings go down 0-2, now you've lost to Tampa Bay and now you've lost – you know, I don't know. I This year is going to be one of those years that uh, – I don't know, man. I, I think <laughs> week one and two, again, doesn't have everything to do, but – Sometimes you see like a trend, right? Like I think the Chiefs last year put people on notice when we went to Arizona and did what we did without Tyreek Hill. You know, he threw for five touchdowns and 400 yards and all that stuff. Right, yeah. I I think you can see glimpses of things in in a week one or week two. And I think this year is going to be really odd. And there might be a team that wins it that is not expected. It might be one of those years where a team comes out of nowhere and like a Miami. What if Miami goes wins the whole thing, man? Or Detroit. Or Detroit, man. Like, what if Detroit plays Dallas in the NFC Championship game and Miami plays, you know, like a, a Browns? Just it could be, be one of those weird years. Like, you know when you simulate a season on Madden and you're like, yeah, that would never happen. Yeah. It might be one of those weird situations, So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I look forward to the season, man. It was nice to get back to football. It was nice to watch the games. Um, looking forward to it, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I feel like week one definitely the week one NFL season has definitely started weird. I will say it'll be very. Uh, hold on, r- real quick uh, before we get out of here. Um, thoughts on the Monday night Jets Bills game, real quick. I got the Bills winning by a field goal. Oh, see, I have I have the Jets win by a field goal. I have the Bills winning twenty seven to twenty four. So hold on, do do you think that Sauce Gardner will follow Stephon Diggs? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do too. And so that's why I that's why I gave the Jets the 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 three point edge. I think that I, uh, I think he wins with his legs, Josh Allen. I, I think oh, okay. Last drive, he has a big run. 25, 30-yard run, gets them in field goal range. They kick it to win, 27-24. I also think Garrett Wilson is going to just absolutely go off too. So Garrett Wilson's a beast. He is a beast. So, all right, guys. That wraps this episode of That One Sports Podcast. Please don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And please, tell a buddy, tell your friend, tell your mama. We don't care who you tell. Tell them about that one sports podcast and give us a listen. Now, remember, we drop episodes every week. From here on out, you'll have an episode every Thursday because we love the NFL. We love this thing that we do in podcasting. And so, guys, remember, please be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about. Until next week, fam. 
Peace.